0: One, two, ten! Welcome to the Claim the Throne broadcast. Coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2014.
1: Who is it? I'm
0: Ash. And I'm Gala. And we're here for the 20th episode of Fucking Yeah! Charge your glasses. Cheers, Ash, for uh, sticking around, being here through thick and thin over these last 20 years. It's been a been a great time.
1: Vodka, coconut water, mint from the garden and lime. That's what you do when you've got no mixing drinks.
0: It's a shame we don't have any earnings from this show. Otherwise, we've been drinking Patron. But alas, we scrounge up and steal other people's scraps and turn them into beverages, which is really fucking yummy. Welcome to the 20th episode. Thanks to everyone who supported and uh, listened a lot over those times. And here we are still going. Don't know why, but it's fun. Neil, Neil. Ash just changed the setting on the mic. Neil, Neil. I think that's much better. Neil, Neil. Neil. Real good one. And uh, to celebrate, we are back in the same room, me and Ash hanging out, as opposed to
1: the last few Skypes over the, the last few months having a blast, having storm blast. Speaking of 2006, we're going to start right at the start of of Thrones history on this one and go through from the top. Totally. So, yeah, 20 episodes. I think uh, we should uh, start talking about
0: the band a bit more and, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll go through today from our very humble beginnings as uh, Viking warrior wannabes to um, the classy people we are today recording podcasts instead of writing metal music, but... There you go. And we'll uh, talk about all the, the that massive transition that has occurred, everything we've been up to over the last eight or nine years. It's been a wild ride, bro. Fuck yeah. It's weird, actually, you and me looking at each other. Gazing in each other's eyes like we're in Greece. How should we start this then? We're just winging this, by the way. It's going to be... Um, we've got a bit of a timeline written out of everything we've done over the years, and we're just going to go from the top to the end. So, stay tuned for the Claim of Throne timeline. <laughs> Uh, you're listening to the Claim the Throne Timeline. I'm Cabba. I'm here with... Time. Father Time. 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 One fateful day, back in the year 2005, I was at work. After, uh, after high school, I'd started working at um, some shitty little call centre, and I did wear metal shirts into work, and one day, a bloke wearing a Fear Factory Fear is the Mind Killer shirt... Great shirt. ...came and sat next to me, ironed me off, looking me up and down with a bit of a red rocket, and he wrote me a note and slipped it over onto my desk, and it's I read the note, and it said, do you like Balsagoth? <laughs> and from there, we started chatting about metal a bit. I'd said um, I'd heard the name, hadn't really heard him before, so the next day, he bought me in a CD of um, yeah, one of your Balsagoth's albums and uh, a Thon album, and I loved them both, and uh, at the time, I was listening to um, well I had just gotten into, like, folk metal, like Fintroll and Moonser and stuff, so I was telling him about those bands And yeah, we were doing some trade-offs and that uh, fellow was Ollie, who uh, was our guitarist, unfortunately not with us anymore, but um, yeah, that was the very early days. Not with us in the band, you mean? Yeah, still with us in spirit and uh, yeah, his legacy still breathes in this band. But yeah, from there, he he was a bass player at the time, I was a guitarist, Um, I'd played in the Kombucha Mushroom People, new metal band prior to them which was all over he hadn't played in a band before um but he had oh he was looking into um buying a seven string guitar and so we were talking about that a bit and he'd bought one so we decided to have a bit of a jam just a guitar off um at my place which we started doing a bit yeah we just started mucking around with some ideas that we had for riffs and all of a sudden we sort of had put a song together i guess which would end up being the song the battle for Marisneon, which was the first song from planet throne ever written We weren't too sure about the lyrics and how we'd go about that because, um, yeah, we did want to go for this whole folk metal thing. It wasn't um, wasn't happening in Australia at the time. It was big in Europe. We thought we'd give it a shot, um, but we didn't want to steal all the um, Norse mythology and, you know, things that we didn't really have, um, I guess, a right to be using. But what we did encompass for lyric ideas at this particular call centre we were working at we had these little timesheets that we needed to fill in every day. And instead of name, we would write in like Balsagoth characters or like, and it would, or office location. And we'd put in, you know, ice veiled throne of Ultima Thul and pass it to each other to make each other laugh. And eventually we just started making up random warrior names and, and places and weird things and just slipping them to each other. And we collected all this, all these crazy ideas of place names and people names and, legions and things and um yeah we thought we could almost just write stories on all of these places we've made up and just make our own mythology and you know not steal anyone else's it just be all fantasy so we'd come up with this place called marisnion and yeah so we, we wrote lyrics to that one and then we had our first song the battle for marisnion yeah we sort of tried to write out about what the place was and stuff and that was pretty much a chapter and we thought you know what we could just write a chapter of a book for every song that we ever write and um, hence the idea for also having the Claim the Throne novel back in the day. So the first album, Only the Brave Return, did come out as both a CD and a novel, where each song was also a chapter in the book. So pretty out there and crazy. Mm, What a novel idea. It was very novel. And um, yeah, so that that was pretty crazy but yeah it was just me and ollie at the time um and we did also meet a drummer named brenton peddler who um was the initial drummer in claim throwing we met him i think in jb hi-fi one day He was like have you heard of emperor and then we were friends <laughs> and um yeah he, he was only just starting out as well and he bought himself a new drum kit so we're all in the early stages of um of musicianship so just having a bit of fun you know no massive goals or anything just toying with certain ideas um But yeah, we we whacked together Battle for Marisneon and then me and Ollie were back at the drawing board. We were jamming pretty much like every night at the time and going to the pub for two pints and taking our own honey to the pub to put in and meanwhile writing chapters of books about places that we'd made up at work. And then we'd also go to coffee shops and drink a lot of peppermint tea and tried to also write a book called Worldwide Cakes that never surfaced. (laughs) <laughs> but nonetheless um yeah we then kept writing a, a few more tracks and you know with these crazy groups of people we were coming up with like the order of the bleeding heart and the draconic legion before you knew it we had um yeah three or four pretty long songs and like a whole set's worth of music so we needed some other uh some other musicians to join the voids and along came ye old puppy parker who i had known um had also played in the Kombucha Mushroom People for some time, and he was um, a, a local young kid going to every single uh, all-ages metal show. Uh, James Parker, on bass, and he was recruited. And, um, yeah, he was more of a death metal dude, but also loved the idea of um, of folk metal at the time. It wasn't so big and it wasn't so poppy and, and you know, popular and upbeat and everything. So, you know, he would liked the idea of FinTrol and Sue Ducker and that sort of stuff and liked what we were doing, a bit different and creative. So he was all over it and a good drinker. And I think it was a good opportunity for him to be able to express his love for beer in, uh, in that Viking environment. Um, and then we also bought a keyboardist on board and that was actually just my sister, Nicole, and she was pretty much just sort of doing us a favor, I think, to have a jam and have a bit of fun and, Hang out with the dudes
1: and um, she did a very good job. Yes, Ash. Time for question one. Sorry about talking so much. No, no, no. That's all right. Um, Just before you go on there, can I ask you a few questions? Go for gold. Uh, You've obviously heard of forming a band. So, when you were passing notes to Ollie, Mm. was that because you weren't allowed to talk at work or something? Well... It seems like a funny thing to do.
0: Yeah, it was like a... Because it was was a call centre and it was just flat out, so you're constantly on the phone. And so, when you're listening to people blab on in your ear, you just don't listen to them and write funny stuff. So, Ollie would pass a note to me that would say like homday homdon of the fifth legion of maris neon and then i would just like lose my shit on the phone and then it was you know trying to outdo each other but we'd never chucking these notes out and we just accumulated so many and we couldn't believe all the names and places and things we'd come up with well like this is just a whole story in itself
1: that is fucking funny <laughs> okay question two how are my levels looking question three why <laughs> Okay, question two. It's just interesting how easy it was to make friends with people in bands back then. I remember myself on the early days of the Perth metal scene and yeah, it all it took was for you to have heard of one band that someone else had heard of and you think they're a pretty cool dude. Absolutely. Now with the internet, it's like if you haven't heard of those bands, you're a moron because everyone knows everything about everything in every intricate subgenre. So pretty interesting that those seminal bands like Seminal, <laughs> like... Um, yeah, like your emperors and your Balsagoths, who were really doing something huge, uh, really cut through to Perth back before it was, you know, so saturated with every type of music as it is now. Anyway, that is just an aside. Keyboards in the band. Did you think from the start, when you were working with Ollie how you would want that music to be expressed? Um, and so, did you find members based on that, or was it more of just a happenstance? We did. So, the thing was, um, yeah, like, because the
0: band, the thing, things we were listening to, like Balsagoth and Holland Thorn and... Finchol and whatever all had you know that those symphonic elements. so it was always an idea to have keyboards in and the thing was when it was just me ollie and brenton we were um, also recording these demo tracks um at brenton's bedroom as well and i think we were just recording our own keyboards over the top of it so we were actually writing the keyboards as we went and recording them ourselves um but yeah for the live situation not that we really even planned to be a live band actually from the very start but um yeah, we thought when we start jamming and, you know, we need someone to be playing the keyboards. Cool. And, um, and, yeah, my sister did play piano at the time. And, you know, if I was at home at the same time as her, it just made life easy. Mm. So,
1: and I'd write down all the chords and say, play this. Okay, and cool. Would. And question number three, you've mentioned Balsagoth, Fintroll, Moonsoro and uh, even Emperor. The early Claim of Throne music's pretty dark, I suppose. Or well, maybe I should leave this question to a bit later. Name a top five influences... At that exact point that we're talking about now, at the inception of the band as a group of members. All
0: right. Well, let's go with the ones you've mentioned, I guess. um Holanthon, Balsagoth, Introl, Sewadakra, and perhaps like your dissections or at the gates and that sort of thing. Interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Moving on. Moving on. I guess then um, we'd start talking about when we did start hitting the live scene and it... Um, that only really occurred because uh, James Parker, who played bass, was putting on a birthday gig in Perth um, for himself. He just picked a whole bunch of bands to play, and he thought, you know, why don't we just play this? We'll open up our first gig ever. So we're like, yep, totally sounds awesome. And um, we were obsessed with this whole Warrior thing at the time, so um, we, were, you know, thought this is a great opportunity for us to dress up as the characters in our book, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, we were. Um, I'd I'd made a Chainmail shirt thing at the time which had taken a few years and wasn't even finished at the time but i was wearing it anyway leather pants and stuff um ollie wore a cloak we got heaps of um, fake blood that we we're all draped ourselves in and we had weapons on stage as well axes and swords and all sorts of shit so yeah our first show was um yeah amazing fun we were hooked from from the first gig and we just wanted to play a lot more straight away it went down really well heaps of good feedback how many songs uh, I believe it was a half an hour set. I would say we played four songs. It would have been Battle for Maristion or of the Bleeding Heart, uh, Triumph from March of the Draconic Legion,
1: and Hunting the Stars. No, it nice. was probably a full set, and there was lots of talking between songs straight away. Interesting. Oh, and also just quickly, I mean those are songs of decent length. We're talking about a sort of five minute, six minute average there. Mm-hmm. Um, Order of the Bleeding Heart, twelve minutes. Well, was that a conscious decision to start with? It was. Yeah, we wanted to write long, epic tracks. Um,
0: another band we'll also listen to was opeth uh, so there's a bit of influence with that in there and, and with you know that and the moon Sorrow thing we yeah love the idea of tracks in excess of 10 minutes i guess mm. so we were trying to do that the thing is back then any riff that we wrote would go in the song there was no that riffs not good enough it, it was in you know and a song like order of the bleeding heart has you know like 25 I mean, in riffs yeah. mixed in. but yeah anyway it worked out at the time and it was wicked and yeah i still like those songs to this day anyway we did want to get our um gigging experience up before we started um you know getting fully into the into the scene too much so what we did we saw an opportunity for a battle of the bands contest at some people in perth may remember blue to the bone in northbridge which is now a rock room yes they had a um the battle of the bands thing which went over i don't know four or five gigs or something and so um yeah we just signed up for that just you know as a chance to play a gig went down really well the first one um we got lots of yeah, good reviews from the judges saying, I don't like metal, but I do think these guys are onto something. This is really creative and unique and different. So good on them. And I think, yeah, when we started hearing that sort of feedback from people that don't even like metal, we knew we were onto something pretty interesting. So yeah, getting through the rounds meant we got to play heaps of gigs and keep sort of going through the, the tournament type layout of Battle of the Bands, whatever they do. One of the gigs, we got our friends to come and stole all of the pens so no one in the crowd could vote <laughs> apart from to us. So we got through to the grand final uh, and then we finished like third or something, which is pretty funny. But anyway, we've got heaps of gigs out of that. And then um, we'd, you know, had each, each time a few more metalheads and stuff were coming down. So after that, we'd pretty much built ourselves a bit of a name in the Perth metal scene and
1: lots of western front exposure lots of
0: lots of western front type stuff and um yeah
1: so from there we just started being
0: offered a few gigs and we started putting on a few of our own gigs yeah then it was time to record an album and finish off writing our book which was pretty much done um got that edited a bunch of times and Send it off to get printed with the um the album recording it was a bit of a painful process really what should probably have taken you know two or three weeks end up taking a year because we did go with one of our friends who, who was good but it was only we could only record you know once a week on the weekend when when, when it was free so end up taking absolutely forever we did a really bad job on performance wise we did not play well production does not sound good and yeah overall didn't turn out the best at the time, we were still happy with it, and you know, we weren't trying to conquer the world or anything at that point, so we were just happy to have something out, and um, and people still seemed to love it. It went down really well at the time. We sold an absolute shitload of copies, had a big CD launch in Perth, um, sold out 450 payers, and yeah, sold out of all the books now, um, and yeah. One pressing for the well. book? One pressing. How many? 200. It's nothing too crazy, but some shitty books for people that have no writing experience, and it's obviously not, not the greatest book in the world, but people are still buying it just for the idea, I think, and that's what we liked, the idea of just doing something way different to make us stand out.
1: I've got a copy of it somewhere. There it is, in between your Kafka's <laughs> in the middle of that second shelf there. Mint Condition. See I how read good condition a, a, that is? Can I read yeah, a page? please read a passage, but do not
0: bend the spine. We do have about five copies left at home, and one day when we're famous, I was planning on putting them on eBay, but I don't know if that'll ever happen. We'll see. Man, this is mint, 100% condition, yeah. Chapter 1, Amidst Evergreen. Although the day was a delightful one, there was something odd about it. Artemis could sense something just wasn't right. He sat peacefully on the ledge of the fountain, soaking up the tranquil autumn breeze and slicing a delicious red apple freshly picked from the town fruit garden. And it goes on and on for 155 pages. Pretty funny. There's a sex scene in there with a character called Nuditi. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the song The Relic, I think, was about her. Or, well, yeah. And I... <laughs> <laughs> My favourite character, Longmott Firinera, who's <laughs> the wandering minstrel, I think. Oh, classic. We did start writing a second book because we wanted to do it for every single album, but it's you know, hard work. But one day it'll surface. We'll get to
1: that a bit later because <laughs> that was a funny time period.
0: Anyway, this is a long time on Only the Brave Return probably, but
1: any more questions? Well, obviously you're all beginners to start with. I mean, I'd guess that you'd been playing your instrument the longest um, at that point and did you really acquire new skills in the jam room or on stage or were you guys practicing feverishly behind the scenes absolutely because i think
0: you know like yeah i'd played in a band before and you know i thought i was okay and everything but when you do get to the jam room and you're playing with other people it's an entirely different ball game so Mm. yeah playing gigs even if we were shit it's still you know so much good practice and and yeah i attribute to where we are today as to how we started out and yeah, I'd, I'd never be as good a musician as I am if I, if it wasn't for that sort of stuff. Weekly jammers? We were weekly jammers in the jam room, plus me and Ollie would, you know, having guitar jams every two nights. Boy, how that's changed, right? As Yeah, everyone just jams at home now and however they want to do it or you know record stuff on the computer and send it to each other and everyone just practices by themselves. so but it was cool back then because you go to the rehearsal rooms and you have the same bands in there every week and meet all these bands you get gigs, gigs out from, of that from going to the same rehearsal room so it was an amazing time actually
1: and that was back in the day when uh dicey was running the very studio you were jamming in that's right before his career as a as a touring promoter mm-hmm. etc
0: and what is actually quite funny we'd sent the biggest ridiculous package for only the brave return to send to labels and promoters and stuff and it just was like you know this 20 page document of how the band is <laughs> is good and you know half the book and here's a, a book chapter. that we've written <laughs> i don't know what labels would have thought when they got that in the mail but anyway we gave one to dicey and he was like oh he's like guys like I appreciate all the work you've put into it this but um yeah if i would be brutally honest the music's not up to scratch um but i like where you go and keep at it you know which we did so yeah i'd say that was one of our um our high points at the time where would take on feedback and not be offended by by people saying that we, you know, weren't good musicians because we weren't. We played shit a lot of the time, but the thing is, we were enthusiastic on stage and doing something different. I think people dug it.
1: I guess um, just one thing we mentioned just before we started recording this is that there was a two-stage gig at the Rosemount. Oh yeah, with uh, Cabba's current band, Red Descending. Uh, I think you've heard of the band Claim the Throne. <laughs> and also my old band Motif and Jim Puppy Parker's old band Combined Death Toll, all on Two Stager in the Rosemount. That was the first time I actually saw you guys, and oh man, that must have been. Could that have been 2005 or very early 2006? Oh, I'd say yeah, 2006, 2007, even. Yeah, we were playing for a
0: while before we played a gig. What was your initial impressions of the band?
1: It just like, what is this? Um, not a <laughs> the bad. But that was also the same time that I started listening to bands like Falkenbach and... Yeah, right. um, Forefather? Uh, not Forefather. That was much later. But yeah, things like your sort of middle period Bathory, yeah. having a look at Fintroll and Moonsar. I wasn't really into Fintroll when I first listened to them. And yeah, a few of the other, Black Metal and folk slash pagan stuff which was weird so when i saw you guys i was kind of like half aware that there was such a thing (laughs) like that (laughs) yeah a lot of people wouldn't know about it and i think yeah at the time people were just like what are these guys playing like what is this music because you know we were just getting out of the new metal heyday red descending for a lot of people were seen as a a strange band in the perth scene you know sure no i took to them straight away and they were my favorite perth band immediately as soon as i saw them and here i am today playing in that band as well which is awesome in the bedroom next door to yeah. the original Red Descending drummer, it's which true. is really weird. Small world. So yeah, anyway, first impressions of Claim the Throne were like, whoa, these guys are taking that next step.
0: Cool. And I guess, um, yeah, so that whole era went on for a good few years um, and we were, you know, improving and everything and starting to want to get more shows and endeavour to approach more labels and, and promoters and, and all sorts of things. Um, but the issue was we had only the Brave Return. So when we'd send that CD to people, they would not get the the appropriate idea of what our band was about at that current time. So we really needed to just get something out that had proper production and, you know, was going to go down well. And um, at the time, my sister had 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 to leave the band because she moved um, out of the city to a different place. Um, So we were lucky enough near the end of the only Brave Return era to recruit Jessie Millie to the band, who, again, I think we're just known from a few metal gigs and a few parties and stuff. Um, She was living in the same area and had some mutual friends and things Um, and yeah, met her out at a pub one night drinking a lot and yeah, she was a big muso and obviously played keyboards and wanted to get into metal bands and stuff as well. So we're like, yeah, give this a shot and gave her CDs and talked to her, to her about her new songs and stuff. And yeah, she was keen slotted right in was a good drinker and good keyboard player. And that's what we needed at the time. So in she came and we, thought what we need to do here is get some something else out because Only Broke Return is just not going to cut it and we're not going to be able to get other shows or you know tours or anything based on this release. Plus, we need more recording practice to move forward and we need a video clip. And we've got a lot of funny footage of our time so far, so we needed a DVD. Hence, along came Ale Tales and that was an EP slash DVD. So that was a good chance for us just to write um, write a few songs, work on our songwriting ability, work on our musicianship, work on recording experience, get a, a video clip out with a short song. And the whole EP only went for, you know, 10 minutes, which was completely out of character for us, considering most of our songs on the first album were longer than an entire EP, which has five songs on it. <laughs> so, yeah, and I guess um, it was interpreted that we were taking a different direction and, and whatever it was, which, you know, it was us experimenting with that, I guess... And, um, yeah, like I said, just, you know, a chance to improve ourselves and a, and a, yeah, much better promotion tool, which I believe did work. Um, and a lot of people jumped on the claim Throne bandwagon because of that direction we we're taking and then might've been disappointed when we did go back to the heavier stylings after that, but nonetheless, it did wonders for us we did the set sail on ale video clip which was a hit on uh, on youtube and the aussie metal scene and that saw us getting interstate shows which for us at the time was just beyond belief we couldn't believe that that was happening we never had a goal to even play outside of perth so getting a i think the first interstate show we did was in adelaide for um against the grain against the file. grain festival yeah that was being put on by um bands from uh, yeah, like Double Dragon and Truth Corroded doing things in Adelaide at the time. Can't even remember how we got on that gig actually. I think um I think Double Dragon had come to Perth. Mm-hmm. We played a support slot with them and they just thought it was the best thing they'd ever seen. A band playing that sort of music was just crazy and then yeah, the video obviously got a bit of exposure over there and um, yeah, so we were lucky enough to get offered a slot on that. So we went over, had the best time ever and, and again we were um yeah, hooked on
1: on touring and whatever. Jesse, was that did she join at the end of two thousand eight, was it? Is that when you released Only the Brave Return or was that
0: when Return, yeah, I think it was 2008, and Ale Towers must
1: have been 2009. No, no, it could Yeah, it be. was 9. A it year was. after. Yeah, yeah, it was a year after. Okay. So Jesse joins the band. Her first show was the launch of Only the Brave Return, right? That is correct, actually. Yes. yes. And then, fast forward one year, Ale Tales was just about to come out and you guys went to Adelaide first interstate. The clip had come out, but the launch That's hadn't right. happened yep, yep. at Against the Grain. It was official. Ash is going to be the new drummer. That's right. I remember right, yeah. very late at night, very drunk in Adelaide. Ash was there for a party. Oh no, you were playing with Discord or no? No, I was just there to hang out and be funnel tech. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like first lineup change, first CD launch. Second lineups change about the same time as the second CD launch, which I thought was weird. Third lineup change. Guess what? Next in, CD launch. And you can comp- Yeah, right. Yeah, that's it. That you is that out. weird, right? Yeah, don't really know
0: what to say about that, but very fucking interesting. Yeah, it's funny actually. You mentioned that The hotel's CD wasn't actually released when we went to Adelaide because what had happened then? We came back and and we kept jamming and we're uh, jamming at SoundWorks Studios in Osmond Park. We'd finished recording. And we had the the demo CD, uh, a few of them. Um, we are really stoked with it because our playing had improved a lot. The production was amazing compared to the last one, thanks to Al from Bergerk Studios. Mm-hmm. And um, and the video clip was out doing good things, and we're about to send it off to getting to go get printed. Um, we had the artwork done by Brendan Innes, who also did the Only a Brave Return artwork. It did really well. Uh, also, obviously, did the uh, the book. Uh, artwork as well so good count and we and he did the logo as well in case anyone was wondering brendan Nunes. au. check him out yeah, so we'd given out a few demos um, of Able Tales to our friends to have a listen and see what they reckon and it was, you know, awesome all, all feedback. Um, and yeah, being that we were jamming at Soundworks, Dicey was working there at the time and I gave him one. I was like, you know, check out this if you're interested. He yeah, goes, oh, okay, thanks, man. And then I got a text message from him the next day saying, mate, this is such a massive improvement. I absolutely love this CD. I wish you had told me about it before it was released and I would have signed it. And I wrote back saying, man, we have not actually released it yet. We're sending it to the printers this week. Man, if you want to be on Prime Cuts, I would be absolutely stoked to have you guys on board so um just need to chuck my logo on your cd and i'll give you a release number or whatever it is i was like sold so that was how we signed on to prime cuts music um, which turned out to be a great choice for us and we ended up with that sucker in the band a bit later on we'll get to as well but yeah so then that cd came out another city launch in perth um so, did you say you were on that? No. No, that was again, that, at the time.
1: Was, that was Brenton's last shows with those launches. Okay. Yeah. That's and right. then I was, again, funnel teching for those launches, which at that stage, you got to a point of ridiculousness, get off the stage, Ash. So, I just stayed on as drummer. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a sad day
0: when Brenton left as well, being a founding member and worked his butt off on the band and had the, a great personality for it and all worked well. But, um, yeah, he's moved to Canada to live. Yeah, it was, I guess, taking a different direction with his tunes and stuff as well. He's was getting into hardcore and, and all sorts of different stuff. Yeah, and personality clashes and things as they do. But yeah. Happy days when Ash came aboard, came into the studio one day into the rehearsal room and said, I think this was pre Brenton leaving and, and you said, I know this song. I said I know this EP <laughs> and I just finished. So we played jamming. the whole EP out and we were just looking like with our jaws dropped, like, Oh my God. This cunt can play good.
1: What had happened is that um, my band would jam on a Tuesday and a Wednesday at Soundworks. Discord. Discord, And Claim the Throne would jam Tuesday, and Jim's other band, Entrails Eradicator, would jam Wednesday. So Tuesday, I'd go into the Claim the Throne room with drinks and just hang out and watch the stuff, aka learning all the songs unbeknownst to me in my brain, just getting really familiar with them all, and then... Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) and then uh on the wednesday i do the same thing with entrails and just go in and hang out and we'd usually end up partying so what happened is one day after reclaim the throne jam my gear was already set up Mm -hmm. and i said hey guys just bring your guitars in just plug through these amps and uh yeah give us a whirl at playing this ep and we played start to finish without a hitch which was pretty surprising to me and i think also for you guys as well um And yeah, it went really well and and I kind of knew that Brenton was on the way out and I was friends with Brenton too and he kind of, not so specifically, but had dropped some hints and I wanted to make sure that I was the most appropriate name forward for that Why did you want to join the band? I actually watched the set sail clip at Dicey's house with you and Sophie and Jesse. Really? Yeah. But when you got the copy no, back. i got no memory. Anyway, yeah. So, so, I'd seen it thought, you know what would be cool was imagine if there was a drum fill here and, and I always had that thing with the bands I love to watch that I'd love to get on the kit and play. Anyway, as it happened, Brenton no longer felt himself to be in the band and I thought, well, this is a perfect opportunity to play something closer to the metal I like rather than what I was currently playing. Yeah, got given the chance. And And Ollie was in the band. And Ollie, yeah. And I loved hanging out with Ollie, man. He was the coolest dude. You know, you could have these conversations with Ollie that you couldn't have with anyone else. (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, it it was really awesome. I liked everyone and I loved black metal. And folk metal and death metal. And drinking. More than anything. And that time I was working in a bottle shop, so it worked out perfectly. A couple
0: big milestones for Claim of Throne that did occur just before you joined as well. I thought I'd just quickly smash through the metal cruise that yes. we... Um, trialed out and it was the yeah the biggest success ever in perth where we booked a, a paddle steamer boat on the swan river and had four bands playing one of which was yours discord mm-hmm. and so yeah that was really cool for us and we went on to do another one of those um later down the track as well but that was really cool um we did do our first major international support show and that was with suffocation that was my first crazily geek. enough
1: oh so maybe before that, that did you the do the they were the same gig. So, this is all after you joined. Man, my memory sucks. Okay. So, just as a quick timeline. Yeah. Against the Grain Five, you guys came back, did the launches. So, the boat cruise one night, the- Oh, uh, s- yeah. That was a city launch. Wasn't Heidi it? Backroom second night. So, they were dual CD launches. Yeah. Yep, yep. And um, yeah, both were went really fucking well. And then the first gig that I played was November 1st, which was the Suffocation Archenemy show. Yep, As chosen by Angela Gosso herself.
0: Oh, was it really? Yeah. All the support bands applied and then they all got sent to Angela and she had to pick one. Oh, that's so funny. that's how we got on that. It's pretty cool. And then we also then got that Alestorm Tor- Ale support yep. for the whole national tour and we still had Ollie at that point too. So, that was 2010, about June that was. Right. And, and how would did we have score just- that? I mean, that was because we'd just joined Prime Karts at the time with Ale Tales, which was obviously had an Ailstorm influence because I think their Captain Morgan's Revenge album had just come out then and I thought that was pretty fucking interesting. And, um, and that's where we got the sort of keyboard sound, I guess, on Ale Tales. And, yeah, I think... And it, I, well, we did talk about Ale a lot. <laughs>
1: yeah, that was uh, like... Like, Claim Throne were the most appropriate band in Australia for that point. Mm-hmm. Um, the Really the only band that were doing that style of thing at that exact time. So, we... Yeah, we got that. It was only a 4 date tour, but what had happened is we'd actually started recording Triumph and Beyond at that point. That's right. Yeah. So, we were rushing to finish the tracking, which must have started in early May mm-hmm. at some point. And, um, and again, at Begurk, going off the you know step-up production values from uh, Only the Brave Return to Owl Tales. Did that again with Owl. First time I'd ever been in an actual professional recording studio which was really fucking awesome and i miss the begirk studio so mm. much the room and just the vibe and al himself is really awesome yeah and then we were pretty much rushing to finish that going away on tour and then coming back doing some mixing and then cabba was due to go on a massive european vacation mm, for yeah. like cabba's metal tour of europe what was that three months
0: well actually was going like every year for a while pretty much so i went a few times um the Triumph your I'm not sure. It might have been probably for two months or something, I'd say. But yeah, anyway, and um yeah, so that Storm tour was yeah, a massive milestone for us as well and a big turning point being able to yeah, meet an international band like that who were an obvious um inf- you know, inspiration and we got along so well with them and, and then obviously that gave us some opportunities in the future that we'll get to as well Um, but yeah then you know having the chance to play to people around the country as well that really did
1: wonders for our name too yeah it all seemed to go down very well like no one really thought the tour would go as well as it did but it went absolutely crazy yeah that was just a massive success we sold some insane amount of merch on that tour yeah and yeah just did really well and it just gave us such a huge boost and and really it was interesting because it was the first super professional shows and four in a row of that that claim the throne had done and yeah it sort of taught us something about life on the road and all that kind of stuff and gave us a thirst for totally. it totally and one thing i didn't mention
0: as well when we were starting out with the band we thought this is a good genre of music to go down because it's not in Australia yet. No one really knows about it. But if it's anything like every other, you know, music genre that comes out, it's that it's big in Europe and big in America. And then a few years later, it gets big in Australia. And that's exactly what happened. And um, and yeah, obviously perfectly time for ailstorm to come out and, and hit the shores as well. And it, yeah, was amazing for them, obviously, and very, very good for us. But yeah, then we were back in Perth with no more tours and back to playing shitty old little shows again, which, you know, a few years ago we would have been stoked about, but once we'd tasted the big shows, um, yeah, they weren't cutting it and we wanted more big shows and and Ale tails again, just wasn't enough. It was the same feeling, you know, like we don't want to be sending out tales because we're different now and we can do this and we've got these new songs and
1: so we need need another album. On that tour, the sorry, the first show with that I played with Arch Enemy and Suffocation, we debuted They Shall Live On, mm-hmm. which is the first track off Triumph and Beyond and we would, had just finished writing, actually we'd written a whole album, but we just started playing Through the Rage of the Storm live yep. as well. So there were two songs in the works and that was like a new return to the... Heavier, faster stuff. Were we still playing songs off Only the Brave Return at that point? W- Words of the Great Oak? Definitely playing Words of the Great Oak, which is fucking long and some <laughs> fast stuff in it. And also... Um, Hunting the Stars, maybe? No, we never. We were jamming that. But then, because we'd written new songs, we just thought, fuck it, we'll play these instead. Yeah, right. And um, what else were we playing? Not, was it Amidst Evergreen? Oh, maybe the intro, yeah. But we were playing that halfway through the set because we were introing with Plunder Saga. Yeah, right. Probably one of my favourite Claim the Throne songs. Yeah, Spine right. Saga. And then we are obviously following that um, tradition of having those weird
0: little intros to mm. every CD, which we still do this day. Who knows what will happen next album, but else? Question
1: time again. So I don't know what number question we're up to. One. Who gives a fuck? Number one. Question Neil. Question Neil. This will lead into a bit of intermission where we'll take a listener question from our old mate Bernard Shaw, who was previously a guest on The Podgy. Okay, Cabba, question time. During Ale Tales, what were the band's influences? You mentioned Ale Storm. Anything else that was different to Only the Brave Return? You got me there. Uh Obviously, you would have heard of Ale Storm.
0: Probably still all the same bands as before. Um, perhaps I think at that time Winter Sun was just hitting the circuits and they were yeah on constant rotation. I think with all of our current band members at the time, um, and that's what triggered us to not want to be sending out airtails anymore because there was no shredding parts and no you know amazing drums like there was in the Winter Sun CD. So that's um, yeah when we wanted to go out and do Triumph and Beyond, I guess. Um, but also in Sephirim, I was listening to a lot of. And I guess a bit more death metal as well at that point, because I know Jesse and Jim were both into, be into like Behemoth. Um, and you were a Nile fan and um, whatever else was going on at the time. Uh, I don't know, Septic Flesh and Decrepit Birth maybe, but not so much, I guess. Um, and also that's when you tossed Forefather at me. Yeah, they were a big influence for my clean vocals, especially, I'd say. Mm. And the raspies, actually, and the guitaring styles.
1: Forefather is one of those bands I'd love, because they do all program drums, that I'd love to do a session for those guys. That'd be really cool. Yeah. If you're listening right now, get me. <laughs> if you're not, get out. About that Forefather, why? <laughs> why? So, those influences just, like, wrap up that little skip to Ale Tales and then back to Triumph and Beyond, correct? Totally, yeah. So, essentially, Triumph and Beyond is the, s-
0: the second album, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Ale Tales was really just an experimental phase for us, and a opportunity for us to get ourselves out there uh and get some tours and get some bigger shows and get some exposure and obviously it did that yeah as much as we could have hoped and yeah so then we come to triumph and beyond and before we start talking about that
1: Okay, so Owen, it was about this time that uh, you filled in for the band, for the Triumph and Beyond CD launch. How was that for you?
2: Yeah, man, that was amazing. It was probably the funnest uh, time I've ever had on stage, I reckon. Easily.
1: Yeah, we're actually recording a pod right now.
2: <laughs>
0: you looked really good with no shirt, some of the ladies in the crowd were saying.
2: Oh, cheers. Thanks to the ladies in the crowd. Yeah, I mean, what do you do? you got to you playing in a viking
0: metal slash folk metal band, you've just got to get your translucent boy chest out, but yeah, really. Was it hard to learn the songs? I mean, w- what were you thinking about what this music was? Did you uh, like folk metal at the time? <laughs> folk metal? Is that what you actually
2: call yourself? Folk
0: metal? Not really, but fucking whatever.
2: Oh yeah, that's right. You guys like death metal, but basically melodic death. I really, but really, but to guitar occasionally. <laughs> what did I think of it? Yeah, it's awesome. It's fun. <laughs> good fun, good play. I like playing it. It's melodic, it was different to what we we're doing with Dyson chords. And, um, yeah, it was um, interesting to learn, like, another guitarist's riffs and stuff like that. But I gotta go, hey, eh? my kids are losing it. Congratulations on like, 20 20th of the Bloody Blood Cat, boys. <laughs> Hell <There> yeah! <you are. laughs> Oh, I've let
0: Let's hear from
1: Bradiero Shaw. Hi guys and welcome back to Bernard's Feature of the Week. This week we'll be trialling a brand new feature called Clam Throne, where Kaba and Ash talk about the worst band names in metal and decide whether they fall into the Clam the Throne or Clam Throne category let's start off with the farmer boys from germany
0: can i just ask one question about the farmer boys how in the fuck did they sign to nuclear blast records and we can't they've played at whack and i think they've done some things and they're called the farmer boys they're german right i'm pretty sure that's why oh why that's <laughs> why yeah right germans man the apocalyptician writer Mm. They would fall in the Clown Throne category, and so would the Farm Boys, in my opinion. <laughs> okay, so now do I name a band or you name a band? That's the whole thing. I think he gives us a band and we tell him what category it's in. Unless you've got an idea for someone in the Claim the Throne category? Um, No. I
1: would say Obituary.
0: Oh, yeah. That's probably Claim the Throne. Yeah. You give me one. What category?
1: Either? We're not supposed to know the category. Okay. We get presented with something and we decide. <sighs> Alright. Red Descending. Poor Claim the Throne category. Okay. Just. What about uh, Reaper's Riddle? You may think I would say Clam Throne, but since it's provided us with a lot of entertainment, Claim the Throne. Oh,
0: good answer. All right, segment over, but we'll come back with that one next week and probably most weeks. Cheers, Bradiro. One more. All right. Bernard Shaw. Clam Throne. Good answer. (laughs) You know what? Once uh, when I went to Wacken as a spectator, I was wearing my Claim the Throne Only the Brave Return shirt. And these two fucking weird Germans came piss bolting out to me. Oh my God, I have heard that band Clam Throne. I've never known what <laughs> they are. <laughs> Said, well, it's Claim the Throne, and they're from, uh, from Perth, Australia, my band. Oh, what is it? What is a Clam Throne? I said, it's not Clam Throne. What is your problem, German? And it went on like that for a while. So I'm not sure if they listen to us these days. Probably not. You can't see the "the" in the logo. Is that the problem?
1: Uh, no, I think it's there. Maybe you need to be told it's there before you see it. Mm. You know, now, now you see it. I was working at the bottle shop once and I used to wear a Clam Throne hoodie. Anyway, a guy comes up to the counter, very trendy looking dude with the, you know, ultimate scene haircut and his spaces and his ears and all of that kind of stuff. Cruises up to the counter, he's like... Dude, nice jumper. Did you see those guys the other night and fucking, you know, down at the old wherever gig no i didn't actually i don't think they played that night yeah they did man they fucking went off i hated doing it but i said man you got the wrong band i play in this band and i did not play in that gig that <laughs> night i'm sorry throw, 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 that concludes part one first half of the pudge Cuba niche will be black next
2: week
0: to give you the second half of the gripping climb the throne story thanks for tuning in you dirty suckers and another thing lie